You got to operate in truth, right? Operate in truth. Tell the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth, Florida Football Podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the final five games of the Gator season. Last week, we looked at the first seven games of the season up until the bye week. Today, we look at the back section of the season, the final five games, which I believe is the most difficult stretch of the Gator season. And I do apologize that this episode is coming out about a day later than we've been releasing leading up to kickoff. I did feel a little under the weather for the past few days, so I figured wait an extra day and give you the best episode possible. So thank you for everyone who's stuck with that, and I do apologize once again. With With that said, everybody, let's go ahead and get into the look at the Gators' final five games of the 2023 season. The first game is, of course, the Gators and the Bulldogs in Jacksonville, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The first storyline that I have is, what does Georgia's quarterback situation look like? As of right now, they have not named a starter. They could have multiple good guys for starter. They could have no one that works out. So until we see it work out, That is a question mark, and very well they have someone who's going to come in and play well. They do have several five-star recruits at the position. Of course, their best quarterback recently, Stetson Bennett, was a former walk-on. So all sorts of situations could happen there in Athens leading into this game, but I do think at least now, again, two weeks before the season begins, it is a storyline to watch going into the Gators matchup. The next storyline I see is how will Florida, you know, do in the run game against the Bulldogs last year? We didn't do too well. None of our running backs went four yards per carry. Anthony Richardson was bottled up and Kirby smart typically has a great front seven for the Bulldogs. If the Gators are able to run, that's going to change the complexion of the game. That's going to be able to keep, the Bulldogs offense off the field wear down a little bit of that defense. And if we can run, it's going to open up the passing game, especially the play action pass. And just again, change the dynamic of the game. Had we been able to run the ball a little bit better last year, it could have been a little bit different in the game. Not saying that the outcome may have been different, but it could have been closer for longer as we're not getting stuck in third and long situations like we did a few times. Also, A question is, how will Florida do in the middle eight? Last season, in the middle eight, for those of you that are wondering what that term means, that's the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half. It's a time when momentum can definitely change. Last year, and I criticized that at the time, and this is something I hope Billy Napier has learned from, the Bulldogs had three timeouts. There's about three minutes, two and a half minutes, something like that. Billy Napier decides to try and run the ball to run the clock out and take it to halftime. Kirby Smart's playing to win the game and used his timeouts, got the Bulldogs the ball back, and they scored right before halftime. So things like that, hope to see change this year, and I think this is a game that will really tell us a lot about that middle eight, and I think we'll learn about the middle eight well before we get to Jacksonville. 
But since that was something that happened last year, I made sure to include it in the storylines for this game, at least for now. The key matchup, as I alluded to earlier, will be Florida's run offense against the Georgia's, Georgia's run defense because if we can't run, it's going to really hamper the offense in this game and possibly be a problem moving forward because after the Georgia game last year and our offense being limited running, that's where we ran into some issues where Vandy kind of copied the model and we didn't run too well. And then Oregon State, yes, there are other extenuating factors, but they did a lot of the same things that hampered this offense. So that is something to keep an eye out, especially because we have a lot more difficult November this year than we did last year after the Georgia game. Moving on to our first home game in about three, four weeks at that time, because our last game uh, in the first part of the season, that seventh game is in Columbia, South Carolina. Then we have the week off. Then we go to Jacksonville. Then we finally return home to face the Razorbacks of Arkansas in the salute to serve game. If you're not aware, the Gators will be wearing black jerseys in football for the first time in this game. And as the Gators wear black jerseys, definitely check that out. You can find photos of those throughout Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. Find them on Facebook or Google. You'll find them. I really don't mind them for the most part. I am a traditionalist guy. These black uniforms could be much worse. One thing that I would have liked better is I would have loved to see the Gatorhead logo on the sides of the helmets. Kind of like when we did the Swamp Green, we had the Gatorhead logo on one side, number on the other. Of course, I'd rather see Gatorhead on both sides. Another cool idea that I saw someone say, I think it was on Facebook, which is since we're doing Salute Those Who Serve, have the Gator flag script that we had in the 9-11 game against USF back in 2021, have that red, white, and blue script along the side of the helmets. That would be cool too. Either way, could be much worse. I tend to at least like how they look. Of course, I'm not a big fan of doing black jerseys in general, but I do love what they're being used for, for those not in the know. After the game, the jerseys will be auctioned off to go to projects for our veterans such as wounded warrior project and other things with that said let's get into some storylines for the arkansas game it is the third straight opponent that the the that the gators play who have a bye week before playing the gators and so first one of course south carolina has a bye week before they face us then before we face georgia they have the bye week and then arkansas is a bye week before playing us as well. A question that I have is, what state of mind will Arkansas be in? Arkansas, in the first half of their season, or the first part until their bye week, right before they play us, they play all five, well, they play five of the West teams that they're going to face, with Auburn being the lone exception who they face after us. So in a row, they face LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State, then have a game off before playing us. And that is a tough task for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So the question is, what kind of state will they be in, both physically and mentally, depending on their record? Now, they have a new offense, and 
with that offense is potentially the best, if not the best returning SEC quarterback running back combo in KJ Jefferson, who is one of the best returning SEC quarterbacks who can hurt you with his arm and with his legs. And then you have Rocket Raheem Sanders, who is a first team preseason all SEC running back. A and last year, the Arkansas Razorbacks were one of the top rushing teams in the SEC, and their pass passing was okay. It does look to get better in this new scheme, but how will they be coming in against the Gators? And also, their pass defense last year was horrid. Will it improve? That is a big question for the Razorbacks. And I do think that this is something that the Gators need to look out for. I think this is a potential trap game situation for the Gators. Why? You had a rivalry game against Georgia. You're at home against Arkansas. And the next week, you've got another rivalry game at LSU in Baton Rouge. So it's just two really massive games. And you've got Arkansas sandwiched in the middle. And it's a physical Arkansas team, so you got to have the right mindset. Don't allow that trap game. I heard a stat this week that the Gares are 5-5 five and five the week after Georgia, and I didn't see how that broke down to home in a way. I know we've lost at home several times. I know that we won away at AM last year. So if we lose that game, in Jacksonville, we definitely need to make sure we keep our head up because this is going to be a key game for us and also need to focus on this game and not be looking ahead to Baton Rouge. A key matchup for this game against the Razorbacks is our pass offense against the Razorbacks' pass defense. As I said last year, one of the worst SEC pass defenses, if not the worst. So we've got to be able to take advantage of the Razorbacks in that situation. Moving on to the game in Baton Rouge. The first and I think most obvious storyline is, can the Gators get third down stops? Last year, we didn't get a third down stop until the fourth quarter against the Tigers, and that cost us. We can talk about whatever we want about the offense or some of the things on defense or the probably not good call. In fact, not good call against Jervon Dexter to keep an LSU drive alive. But if you get some third down stops in the first, second, third quarter, much different game. The question that I have besides the third down stops is what condition are both teams going to be in after physical matchups? Florida, as we've discussed before going to Baton Rouge, faces Georgia, definitely a physical team. Arkansas, always a physical team. And now we're going to another physical team. LSU and Baton Rouge. The good news is LSU, the game before they play us, is Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So at least we're not facing a well-rested team. We are facing a team that's gotten beat up themselves themselves before facing the Gators. Now, this could be the most hostile environment of the season for the Gators. The question is, how will they react? The good news is before they go to Baton Rouge, they'll have gone to Rice Eccles, they'll have gone to Kroger Field, and they'll have gone to Williams Bryce. Williams Bryce being one of the sneakiest, best away stadiums as far as crowd noise or game day environments. 
So it shouldn't have as much of an impact. Usually the LSU game is earlier, and then we probably haven't faced as many, you know, hostile crowds. Now I'm not going to say anywhere's nearly as loud as Death Valley, but the hostility and stuff, at least there will be more experience with it where this game falls on the schedule. The key matchup, I have the Gators run offense against LSU's run defense. Why do I have that? Same thing as Georgia when I try to avoid these things that I, you know, in the first half of the season, we looked at our first part of the season. I tried to have different things for each game. The reason why I have it here is last year, our running game overall did not do well. I mean, outside of one long run by Montrell Johnson, he was 1.8 yards per carry. Uh, I believe ETN didn't do too well. Anthony Richardson, again, outside of breaking the 81-yard touchdown run, he didn't do too well on the ground. And if we can't run, that's not going to help as this entire offense is predicated on the run. So this year we need to step that up, especially with LSU having guys like Makai Wingo return at defensive tackle, guys like Harold Perkins at linebacker. And if we can take on their rush D and do really well, then that's a good signal, not just for the season, but as we build towards the future. And now let's get into one of the more interesting games of the season, in my opinion, and that's the game in Columbia, Missouri against Mizzou in our 11th, second to last game of the season. And the first question I have for the storyline is, can the Gators play well in Columbia? I decided to look because I don't remember us ever playing too, too well in Columbia. And what I found was our highest score since the in Columbia ever. And we've only played in Columbia since the Tigers joined the SEC in 2012. Our first game there was in 2013. Our most points there, no matter who the coach was, is 23. And that includes some decent Dan Mullen teams. And so it's not a great place that we've played. This is also going to be a game where it's probably really cold out. And last time we played there in the cold, we lost 24-23. <laughs> Excuse me. And both teams are going to come in after multiple physical games. Of course, I keep saying that and because it's true. We've got Georgia, we've got Arkansas, and now we've got LSU. The good news is Mizzou, before they play us, has Tennessee and Georgia, which are two tough matchups that are also going to wear out the Tigers. In fact, it is Georgia first, then Tennessee. And so it's going to be interesting. Mizzou, they return a ton of production on their D. They had a pretty good defense last year. They return a lot of their production, including former Gator Tyrone Hopper. I looked and one place I found had Mizzou they actually returned two of the top three SEC defensive tackles as graded by Pro Football Focus. The third one actually used to be a Tiger, and it's Makai Wingo, who I mentioned, who is now at LSU. And so with that said, you've got a stout defensive tackles. You've got some of the top linebackers or returning linebackers in the league, and you've got some decent play elsewhere. So if the Gators... A line can hold up against that front seven for both pass and for run, which is my key matchup. The Gears O line versus Mizzou's front seven. 
then I think this is a game that we can pull pull off in the cold on the road. But I do think, again, this is a sneaky area, potential trap situation, because you faced Georgia, Arkansas, have the rivalry game against LSU, then you go to Como, and then the next week you have the Seminoles in Gainesville. And so that is a tough, tough schedule straight. And with rivalry game, you know, underrated, in my opinion, team, rivalry game, underrated team, or at least a team that could cause problems in Mizzou, a Mizzou team that last year took Georgia to the brink. So there is always the case that this could be a trap game if the Gators look ahead to the season-ending rivalry game against the Florida State Seminoles. And then, so let's get into the game against the Seminoles. The first storyline that I have is the revenge factor. Last year, the Gators lost by one score. There are various factors into that loss, whether it was Anthony Richardson missing guys, whether it was the five drops that happened, whether it was the decision, whoever's it was, to not really run too many, you know, run the ball too much as the second half started, where we threw like seven out of nine plays. We threw the ball and it wasn't working, where we had success running. And also, not talk, tackling Jordan Travis. Again, two times we tackle him, we probably win that game. Two plays changed that game is when we allowed him to scramble out short, short tackles and he runs. Both times they were called touchdowns, called back to like the half-yard line. FSU ended up scoring touchdowns. Without those two touchdowns, they probably kick a field goal because I believe those were both on third down. And now that's eight points off the board. And I know we can play that game all night. But again, we make those tackles. Maybe we run the ball early in the second half. So that one score loss wasn't, a, it was bad in the way that we lost, but it wasn't like they came out and just kicked our butts up and down the field. I'm not sure FSU is as good as some people are hyping them as potential playoff contenders, as things like that. I don't believe they're that. But at the same time, their team who returned a lot of play, players and is slowly building up. So we can't be acting like they're some Vanderbilt team. They are a dangerous team coming in here. They face Miami two weeks before playing us, have North Alabama the week before we play them. And for us, this is our third rivalry game in five games. It's a very tough slate coming in here. I'm wondering how we'll be physically and mentally coming into this game. A question that I have is FSU going to be coming in with a lot to play for? As I said, there are some places that are hyping them up as potential, you know, playoff contenders, as all sorts of good things. And many FSU fans will tell you that they believe that they're in line for a great season, ACC championship, all of that. The key matchup that I have, and I think this will decide the game, as I said, I believe it decided the game last year. The Gators front seven against Jordan Travis. That's both in the run and the pass. If we can harass them on the pass and tackle them on the sacks, then we're good. We can keep them from running, shut down that run game. I think the Gators will be fine in Gainesville. 
but it comes down to the front seven doing their job. And if we do that, we can win this game again. I've got to admit that this game is a dangerous one with FSU coming in after the previous four games that we have at this time. I will not be making a prediction as far as what our record will be. I will probably go through that next week. I'm waiting one week just to see where all we pan out as we're about to kick off against the Utes because I've seen all sorts of interesting things this offseason. Unfortunately, we lost Justice Boone for the season due to ACL injury. I don't think any of our starting five linemen, I don't think all of them have practice more than three, four times together. Mascua, he was missing for the first few weeks. Then Leonard was out for a little while. And then past few days, Kingsley Egwakin has missed some time. Yes, it's for cautious, but our offensive line not getting as many practices together or reps. It's hard to build as much chemistry when that's happening. So I'm giving it one more week just to see how I feel. Well, with reflecting on things we've heard from practices, things I saw at the open practice, and then I'll probably go through that. What I figure I'll do, because there is such an interesting wide range of possibilities in my mind, I will probably go through. Here's what one possibility is and how it ends up. Here's another possibility. And we're talking worst case scenario, what I would say the probably scenario, and then the best case scenario. I do think it's kind of a bell curve where you start low go higher chances and then end up with kind of the same lower chances over here for higher results. And we could end up anywhere in there and I can go through those as well as make my record prediction next week. And with that said, again, we'll go through the preseason roadmap one last time. And that is this. Let me go ahead and get that up for you. For those of you watching on YouTube. So we start off looking at the offense position groups. I told you what I thought would be better, what I thought would be worse. My mind has kind of changed on a few things, having watched the open practice, having heard some of the changes that have been talked about schematically. Then we have defense, better or worse. Definitely check those out if you have not. Last week, we talked about the first seven games leading up to the bye week. This week, we've talked about the last five games going after the bye week, going into the bowl season. Next week, I'm going to talk about things I want to see in 2023, things I want to see both from coaching and from the team on the field. And then after next week, we're, we've got the Utah preview. We're in game week. Football is here. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Cannot wait for that. With that said, I do want to say check out my friends over at gatorchatter.com your florida gator sports bar gator chatter is well one of my favorite gator sites in that it yes it is a forum it is a message board but all sorts of people post there all sorts of backgrounds and just a bunch of guys who like to have fun I've been doing post-game write-ups there. This will be my sixth season doing that. I also have write-ups looking into the beginning of the season, 
where sometimes I might go into more numerical depth. Like I just released my offense better or worse. I've got defense ready to go, which will probably be released sometime this weekend where it goes a little more into here's certain stats for certain players and why I think it'll be better or worse. Things that I may not feel like do well in audio or I just may not have time for as I'm trying to keep these being shorter podcasts as that's what some of you have said. I appreciate that about you. You keep it a little bit bite-sized for us and I'll try and do that for you. I know there are some really great longer podcasts out there. Definitely give them a listen as well. And then one last group I want to give a shout out to is my friends at Alvarez Lawn Company. If you're in Central Florida and you need someone to do some lawn work for you, please give my friends at Alvarez Lawn Company a call. You can call, text them for a free quote at 407-490-2617. Once again, that number is 407-490-2617. And you can also reach out to them at alvarezlawncompany at gmail.com. Alvarez Lawn Company, building plans that work for you. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Gator Truth Florida Football Podcast. Thank you, everyone, that has spread the word about us. Our numbers have increased going into our second season of this podcast, and I can't thank you enough. Can't thank everyone that's retweeted, you know, hey, a new episode's out, or shared the word with a friend, posted on a message board, posted on Facebook, wherever. Thank you for all of that. And I think that's all I have to say for today. Go Gators.